What if the world was different? Science fiction is usually utopian or dystopian, either unrealistically good or unbelievably bad. There doesn't seem to be much in the middle. But what if we looked at science fiction differently? What if we instead looked at a realistic world? A believable world. This is the world of Bellatopia. In this episode of Bellatopia... Project Apollo started as a program simply to land a man in the moon before the Russians. But as time went on, the Apollo technology found more and more uses as we learned how to live and work in space. Apollo technology gave us Earth-orbiting space stations, a lunar-orbiting space station, and long-duration bases on the lunar surface. It gave us communication satellites a quarter of a million miles away and a crewed mission to fly by the planet Venus. What a legacy. But what's next? Now that we've proven we can live and work in space, what is our next challenge in space? Let's take a look at what we've accomplished and what is coming. This is After Apollo in the world of Bellatopia. From the space program to high-speed trains. From bridges to artificial intelligence. From pop culture to politics and war to religion. Bellatopia is about the world of what if. What if different decisions were made in our history? Different priorities held by our leaders? Different politics involved. Let's see the world as it could have been, perhaps should have been, and might still become. Welcome to Bellatopia. This season of Bellatopia has been all about Project Apollo and extensions and enhancements to the use of Project Apollo technology in order to further human presence in space. Using Apollo technology in Bellatopia, we landed on the moon, we lived and worked in Earth orbit, we lived and worked in lunar orbit, we lived and worked on the lunar surface, and we visited our nearest neighbor, the planet Venus. All of these missions were possible extensions to the real-world Apollo program if we would have just committed the financial resources to make it happen. And in the world of Bellatopia, we did commit those resources, and these missions did occur. So this begs the question, why didn't we do these missions in real life? Well, you have to remember what was the primary driver for the Apollo moon missions in the first place. It was politics. We were afraid of the Soviet Union and what they could accomplish in space. Sputnik scared America. And our response was to build a space program to prove we were better at space exploration than the Soviet Union. It took many, many years, decades, before we caught up with the Soviet Union. They kept beating us to space firsts. First man in space. First man in orbit first unmanned ship to the moon, and many others. We, the United States, needed a victory. We eventually found the victory in July of 1969 with the landing of the first man on the moon. That's one small step for man, 
Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin won the space race for us. It wasn't because we, the United States, were better at space than the Soviet Union. We weren't. Rather, it was because we finally were able to beat them at something. Beat them at one thing, landing a man on the moon. But once we did that one thing, for all practical purposes, from our standpoint, the race was over. The political drive that motivated the need for the space program was gone. We gave up, and we moved on to other more pressing national priorities, such as the war in Vietnam. The only reason there were Apollo missions beyond the Apollo 11 moon landing was because of the momentum involved in stopping it. The political pressure to stop investing came almost immediately after the Apollo 11 landing, and eventually the program was swallowed up by the pressure, and we stopped after Apollo 17. We did have plans for more Apollo missions after 17, and we actually started building the spacecraft necessary for Apollo 18, Apollo 19, and Apollo 20. But by the time Apollo 17 happened, there was no stopping the pressure to stop the investment, and the program was scrapped. The Russians had beat us on many accomplishments in space, but we had beat them on that one accomplishment, and that was enough for us. And it was all the American public and the political powers to be in the United States could stomach. There was no longer enough motivation to continue the space race. But there were other reasons why we should explore outer space. Natural curiosity was a big driver for the program, and the space program created a host of auxiliary technology that improved our everyday lives. These were reasons enough to continue the space program. But we also are just beginning to realize there might be valuable resources in space, resources valuable enough to worth exploring. But in the real world, none of these reasons were enough to justify continuing the space program. In the world of Bellatopia, though, these reasons were enough, and the Bellatopian world is a better place because of it. There is a great quote that describes for me why space exploration is so important in the world of Bellatopia, and why it should be in our real world important too. The quote is by the famous astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson on his show Star Talk in late 2016. Here's the quote. There is an outer space treaty for the peaceful use of outer space. So the goal is when we all go into space, we will treat each other kindly. I don't have the confidence that others have in that. I want to believe it, but I say to myself, if you can treat others kindly in space, then why not do that here on Earth? Why do you have to be in space to not kill one another? However, my one glimmer of hope is that so much of human conflict in the history of civilization has been derived from scarcity of resources and access to those resources. And I look at space, asteroids, comets, stars with limitless energy, and I realize, we should all realize, that space is a limitless supply of natural resources. Space may be the only place where peace is guaranteed, 
because in fact, we would have run out of all reasons for why to kill one another. This quote says that space exploration is important because it gives us access to uncountable amounts of natural resources, and that in turn reduces or eliminates our needs to kill our fellow human beings here on Earth. This is why, in my mind, the world of Bellatopia is so important. The Apollo Applications Program And the greatly expanded Apollo application program was the first step in this. The expanded world of Bellatopia began, if you recall back in episode number two, with the formation of the Apollo Applications Program, AAP, as a formalized program with a real budget and real objectives. In the real world, the AAP was a program that never really materialized to its full potential. But in the world of Bellatopia, it was a fully realized program and it turned into a separate agency distinct and separate from NASA. That allowed us to create and expand the reach of the Apollo program in Bellatopia. It was because of this expanded AAP program that the Skylab space station became a fully funded multi-space station program, that the lunar Skylab space station existed at all, that we were able to create two long duration lunar bases on the lunar surface that a sophisticated human transportation network was created between the Earth and the Moon, as was the case with the LT missions used to send crews to the lunar bases and stations, that a powerful communications network was created covering the entire Earth-Moon system, allowing us full communications without blackout areas anywhere in the Earth-Moon system, and that finally, humans left our Earth-Moon system on a flyby voyage around the planet Venus. All of this was possible because of the power of Apollo and the vision of the Apollo Applications Program. Earth-Based Infrastructure One thing we did not talk much about this season is the impact the expanded Apollo program had on the infrastructure needed on Earth to launch all of these missions. In Bellatopia, the space infrastructure needs on Earth were substantially greater than they were in a real-life world. We went from launching a dozen or so Apollo spacecraft in space over a, a five to six year period, as what happened in real life, to suddenly in the world of Bellatopia, we needed to launch over 90 Apollo spacecraft. At any given point in time, there could be up to a half dozen distinct missions going on simultaneously, each needing a mission control center on Earth to operate it. We needed the ability to build, assemble, launch, operate, and land a significant number of Apollo-based crewed missions. For that, we needed expanded Earth-based infrastructure. Let's focus just on the NASA and the AAP infrastructure pieces required. Obviously, the large contractors that provided equipment to NASA, such as Grumman, Boeing, North American, and Douglas, needed to have expanded manufacturing infrastructures as well. But let's focus on the visible pieces of the infrastructure needed within the NASA and the AAP government space programs themselves. Let's start with the Cape, where the missions all started. It's where the rockets were assembled and where they were launched. 
The various components that make up in a Saturn Apollo launch vehicle were assembled in Florida in the Vehicle Assembly Building, VAB. At the time, the Vehicle Assembly Building was the largest building ever built. But with the expanded role of Apollo, the single Vehicle Assembly Building would not be sufficient. The existing Vehicle Assembly Building could simultaneously assemble three Apollo vehicle stacks. In Bellatopia, at the peak of operations, there could be up to nine vehicles being assembled at once. This required the construction of two additional vehicle assembly buildings, each as massive as the first. Then there are the launch pads. There were several launch pads at the Cape in Florida that were used for launching Apollo spacecraft. But with the accelerated launch schedule, there would need to be four fully operational launch pads available each one capable of launching at Saturn V or a Saturn 1B rocket into space. There were four launch pads in the real world at various stages of construction, but only two were really ever used during Apollo. In Bellatopia, all four would be required to be fully operational and available for the Apollo programs. This also meant that the conveyance network between the vehicle assembly buildings and the launch pads needed to be expanded. Conveyance Network was the massive tank-like machines that was used to transport a fully assembled spacecraft stack from the vehicle assembly building to the launch pad. The short trip, a mile or two at most, depending on which launch pad was used, took many days for a spacecraft to be transported. With three fully active vehicle assembly buildings and four fully active launch pads, this conveyance network also needed to be expanded. With the four launch pads, multiple launch control centers were needed as well, along with expanded training facilities for the additional launch control operations members that were needed. Now let's look at Houston. Mission control also needed to be expanded. During the real Apollo days, there was never more than one mission operating at a time, so a single mission control center was all that was needed. At the peak of Bellatopia, there could be up to three full Apollo missions operating at the exact same time. Additionally, at peak, there was also a Skylab space station in orbit, the Lunar Skylab space station, and two distinct crewed bases on the lunar surface. This all meant that at peak, there was a need to manage seven fully staffed mission control centers to manage the seven in-operation missions. This also meant a huge increase in the staff to manage those seven mission control centers. And while the multiple missions could share backroom staffs to some degree, a significant increase in backroom supporting staff for the mission controllers would also be needed, to say nothing about the large increase in the number of astronauts needed to handle these 90 missions, and the training needs for all those astronauts. Even at splashdown, more than one recovery zone and recovery ship was needed to support the ability to recover more than one mission returning close enough to the same time that a single recovery ship could not handle the multiple landings. The needs were great, not necessarily significantly greater than what was spent in real life at the peak of the Apollo program, but the spending at the peak needed, not for a couple of years, but more like a dozen or two years. This investment created jobs and spurred economic growth within the United States. So while a significant amount of money was being spent, the long-term positive impact was significant. Apollo, a fully utilized program in the world of Bellatopia, was a boom for our economy, for the space program, for technological advancement, 
for our position as a superpower in the New World Order, and for an expanded American dominance in the world stage in the latter half of the 20th century. The Aging Apollo Technology But by the early 1980s, the Apollo technology was getting old and its limitations and warts were showing through. The earliest warts started during the Christmas miracle of the Venus flyby mission, but other warts started to show as well. The program had accomplished a huge number of goals, but the life of Apollo was nearly over. A bigger, better, larger space program was needed if we wanted to expand our footprint even further and more deeply than we had up until now. Something better than Apollo was needed. So on June 14, 1982, the Apollo Applications Program was dismantled, and the teams and structures of that program were merged back into NASA. NASA was already starting to explore other technologies, such as the Space Transportation Network, the Space Shuttle, and other technologies. The resources invested in AAP were now going to be put towards these other programs and an enhanced and expanded NASA was the result. What were some of the programs that were needed beyond Apollo? Well, there were many. First and foremost, there was a desire to replace the temporary Skylab space station program with a permanent manned space station in Earth orbit. We needed this not only as a research station, but as a transportation hub for an improved Earth-Moon transportation system and as a launching point for deeper space missions. We needed a heavy-lift rocket program that could bring large quantities of equipment and resources from the Earth's surface into low Earth orbit. This was needed to assemble the space station, but also provide resources for other missions. We needed an easy and convenient method of bringing astronauts back and forth from the Earth's surface to the low Earth orbit space station. This had to allow practical transportation of reasonably large quantities of people back and forth to the permanent space station. We needed an improved Earth orbit to lunar orbit transportation program, something that could replace the Apollo spacecraft and allow a regular shuttle program of sorts for people and supplies to and from lunar orbit. We were already working on a better lunar lander, as we discussed earlier in the season, and with that lander, we could build larger and more permanent bases on the lunar surface. These permanent bases would allow us to perform lunar geological research and locate valuable resources on and under the lunar surface. And we still wanted to go to Mars. All of these were missions that were coming, were needed, and were going to happen in the world of Bellatopia, but we needed improved space technology in order to make this happen technology beyond Apollo. This is where Season 2 will come from. While Season 1 of Bellatopia was based on the Enhanced Apollo program, Season 2 will be based on the next generation of space technology beyond Apollo that was yet to be built. The Apollo technology in Season 1 gave us the ability to visit, temporarily but sometimes relatively long-term, many different places in our Earth-Moon system as well as beyond the Venus. The new technology that we will describe in Season 2 will focus on building permanent establishments in space. So, while Season 1 built the temporary Skylab space program, 
Season two will build the permanent space station Freedom. In season one, we built the temporary lunar bases, Tycho Base and BLA Base. In season two, we will build permanently crewed bases, including a permanent Tycho base, a permanent BLA base, and a brand new permanent Armstrong base. We will begin the era of a permanent presence of humans on the lunar surface. We will also begin longer duration crewed deep space missions, including a return to Venus, a flyby mission to Mars, and eventually a landing on the Martian surface. All of this because of the improved space technology we will be constructing in the world of Bellatopia in Season 2. I do hope you have enjoyed Season 1. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, in Podchaser, or in the podcasting application of your choice. And please check out the wealth of information available on our website, bellatopia.com. All of it is available for free, but if you like the work put into creating the world of Bellatopia, please donate to the cause. You can click on the Buy Me a Cup of Coffee links anywhere on the website, or go to bellatopia.com support to donate. If you would like to be informed when Season 2 is about to start, please sign up for our email list. You can click the Keep Informed link on our website, or go to bellatopia.com slash sign up. All of these links are available in the show notes. Thank you for your support, and we hope to see you next season in the world of Bellatopia. Are you enjoying our vision of the world of Bellatopia? For more information, please check out our website at bellatopia.com. That's B-E-L-I-T-O-P-I-A dot com. Until next time, enjoy our world.